first time. Is this July 1st? No, this is June 1st. June 1st. This yes. is June 1st. Welcome to June. Um, My name is Colleen Smith. And I'm Mary Jo Smith. No, no relation. relation. Uh, <laughs> this uh, month's theme is the first time I did drugs. Yes. I have so many stories to... <laughs> To choose from with this one, I was up all night thinking about. It. I have a story. A story. <laughs> um, uh, with us, as always, is uh, Ian Doctor Phone Smith, yes, who this this month is going to tell a story. Yes. Finally, the phone speaks. Crossover event here. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited. I am too. Um, we also have uh, Peggy Etra or Peggy Maltby Etra and Deanna Oliver. Yay! Yay! Um, okay. So I'm going to go first. Oh, excellent. Tell us all about your heathenist drug days, Colleen. Okay. So uh, here's the thing. Yeah. I have actually never taken an illegal drug. Oh. Uh, I was raised in the 80s and uh, Just Say No really worked on me. Um, <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> I think I'm the only human now. In fact, when I walk by the, uh, those guys at the grocery store who are trying to get money for D.A.R.E., I, I, I want to be like, you know, I think these programs actually make demonize drugs in a way that make kids more likely to do drugs. I don't think they work. But in my head, I'm like, it worked on me. <laughs> so it's this weird kind of conflict to be like telling somebody who's trying to prevent kids from doing drugs that I don't approve of it, even though I do approve of it. And it did work for me, but I don't think it works. Um, but anyway, I was terrified of drugs. I still kind of am. Um, but like Bright Lights, Big City... Um, anything, I just was convinced the second you do a drug, you're instantly like have a septic infection in your vein. You're living on the street. You're, <laughs> and this was all based on like movies you saw. All based on movies. And then, and the whole thing of like marijuana did this and made you crazy. Like all of that stuff, a hundred percent worked on me. And, um, when I was in high school, I went to high school in the nineties. And so everyone reeked of patchouli and various like body oils. And <laughs> I didn't know what weed smelled like. So in the stairwells where we were all crammed in, I would smell patchouli and think it was weed, so I'd hold my breath. <laughs> and you should never hold your breath climbing stairs. That's not a good idea. Um, and I, once I was at a, a, somebody, like I was part of this group called, um, what were we called? Oh, oh, Power Teens. And we would act out scenarios for kids like, you know, this kid's been molested and tell their uh, parent or tell an authority figure or this kid does drugs, like how to re resist it, all that kind of stuff. Where did you do that? I did this in Hawaii. and No, uh, no, but you did this like at schools? We would go to schools or like rec centers and perform. Um, and But um, the guy who ran it ran it out of homes for kids who didn't have families that didn't have uh, foster homes yet. And uh, one of the days we were there, I don't know if one of the kids who lived there, one of the neighbors was smoking pot and I smelled it and got like a horrible headache and I was convinced I was like allergic to pot and <laughs> something had happened to me. Um, so, and meanwhile, my brother, who will speak later, is a huge butt and doing all sorts of drugs. Spoiler alert. Uh, but <laughs> Way I, to give it away. Yeah, I managed to get through all of high school without ever being around it, without ever being exposed to it, like maybe sort of fringes of something. My friends didn't really do it, or if they did, they didn't do it around me. Like just never, nothing, nothing. And didn't drink in high school or anything like that. Um, so then when I moved to LA, um, I got into alcohol, <laughs> my way with that, but still <laughs> terrified of drugs. Um, one night I was hanging out with my friends, we had this giant party and Ian came and uh, he came with another friend and they did, um, they did mushrooms. And so, and I was very concerned and very nervous. 
Uh, and at some point in the middle of the party, drunk out of my mind, I was like, where did he go? And we are like, we don't know. He went wandering around the neighborhood. And I was like, what? And it was downstairs on the street, sobbing. And Ian and his friend come, like, wandering back, having, like, had a nice nature walk on mushrooms. <laughs> and I'm just like sobbing because I'm convinced he was going to die that something was going to happen to him because he'd done mushrooms um, but anyway I slowly relaxed about these things especially because I lived with this uh, wealthy kid who was a huge pothead and so there would just be bags of pot lying around and it it's weird when it's around you and then you see people who are just like normal people that are maybe slightly hard to communicate with but you're also drunk so you're hard to communicate with um, you start to get better about it. And like a couple of times I was, I was at things that were supposed to be just like fun parties and then they became ecstasy parties. And then you find that you're more annoyed that everybody's rolling and you aren't and you're bored and you want to go home and less that you're worried about people's lives mm-hmm. and their safety. So I had mellowed about it considerably, but I still didn't want to do it. And I didn't have any interest. Um, and then, uh, I went when I was about 24 years old, 24, 25, uh, my one of my old roommates who I used to get loaded and drunk with and stuff had moved to San Diego and I went to go visit her and it was my first time driving a car a long distance like I just got in my car I just got my license and so driving from LA to San Diego by myself was a big deal and I got down there and um, we got like all the cheapest light beer you could get and drank probably 12 <laughs> bottles each as <laughs> so we sat there in her apartment and caught up and then she uh, pulled out a thing of pills like sample size because her mother or somebody's mother, maybe her roommate's mother, was a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. I think because my mom was a nurse and we never had sample drugs around the house. But I feel like there were a lot of kids whose mothers worked in places that had all these drugs because maybe the later age when people were... I always wanted a parent like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder if it's more like the pharmaceutical reps coming about around more or just because my mom was a nurse and not a nurse practitioner or she worked in a hospital versus working at like a clinic. That's probably it. So she, uh, anyway, Shannon busts out one of these things. I'm not sure what it was, but it was small. After <laughs> all these years of <laughs> avoiding drugs, you take something without knowing what it is? Well, here's the thing. It was a prescription drug. Oh, well, oh, it was bad. It was small. And I feel like the smaller a pill is, the worse oh, it is for oh, you. <laughs> and I think it was probably like Oxycontin. Or oxycodone. I don't know what which one is correct and which one is incorrect, or if they're the same thing. Um, whichever is the worst or one. It was very small, but you could still half it, which is date. Like if you can half a really small pill, it must be potent. So she was like, "I've never taken a, a whole one, but I've taken a half of one. Do you want to do a half of one?" And I was like, "Sure." So she opens this thing up, and we take the half of the one, and we continue drinking and talking, and um, we're like hungry and. Um, She's like, I don't really feel that pill, do you? And I was like, no, I don't either. So we take the other half. We split another one. And then we walk down to this delightful Mexican restaurant, and we sit at the counter, and we order a a pitcher of, like, peach margaritas. And I'm, like, halfway through my first peach margarita, and I started to feel sick and, like, nauseous sick. And I was like, okay, you just drank too much. You need to, like, go to the bathroom and throw up. Which, you know, when you're young and you drink too much, you just go, like, yeah, do that. Just throw up, and you'll be fine. So I start walking through this restaurant looking for the bathroom and a waitress stops and asks me if I need help with anything. Maybe because I was like sweating profusely and looked horrible. Or maybe I thought I looked fine. Like I thought I was maintaining. Um, But she's like, do you need help with something? I'm like, yeah, where's the bathroom? And she points. And I go, oh, okay. And I start to walk where I think that she pointed to. And I start to realize that um, my eyes are starting to go black. 
that I, that it's like, it's, I'm starting to not be able to see. And so I turn into what I think is the bathroom, but it's a waiter's side station. <laughs> and I recognize it from a waiter's side yeah, station yeah. just as all my vision goes black. So I crouch down <laughs> so that I don't fall or move. Good call. Good call. <laughs> and, um, and, the, and my vision comes back, and I stand up just as like a waiter is entering the side station. Um, and they're like, are, are you okay? I'm like, yes. Where did you say the bathroom was again? And they point, and I see it. And I'm like, oh. And, and I start to walk towards the bathroom. And they're kind of trailing behind me like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And I can tell it's going to go black again. And all I want to do is get into the bathroom before they catch up with me. And I think I managed to get into the bathroom and like slam the bathroom door in the face of the waiter and get into a stall and close it. And then same thing, it went black. And I just like hunched on the ground. And then finally my sight came back and I forced myself to throw up. And then I felt great. <laughs> Immediately after? Immediately after. So um, I walked out. I, you know, I washed my face. I come out. And I think I got eyeballed by a couple of waiters, but they were fine or whatever. And then I go back. I sit down. And Shannon, my friend, is sitting at the bar. And she goes, are you okay? Like, what happened to you? And I was like, why? And she's like, the waiters came up to tell me you had, like, passed out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but she didn't come to the table. Well, that's my favorite part. Is she is also on the same amount of alcohol and drugs that I am. So when someone came up to tell her, like, "Hey, your friends passed down the bathroom," she probably was just kind of like, "Hey, I'm sure that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, she can take care of herself." So she just needs to throw up. <laughs> She'll be fine. But like, I think several people have come up to her, and maybe to the point where it annoyed her, like. You know, if I wanted to handle it, I'd have handled it. <laughs> and so, um, it's possible I blacked it out and she came to visit me. But I seriously, I swear to God, she didn't. I also have zero idea how long I was gone. I feel like I was only gone like three minutes. I could have been gone a half hour. <laughs> Four days. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, maybe they walked in and I was like crouched for like ten minutes <laughs> on the floor of that thing. I don't know. To me, it was like... You know, it just was like a brief black and then back to the site or something. Was it a one-person bathroom or like a multi-stall thing? I felt like it was a multi-stall thing, but I remember closing the bathroom door on the waiter. Like, just get into the bathroom. Because like, I remember emerging from the stall and like washing my face because it was sweaty and I had you know, vomit on my fingers. And you still don't know what the pill was. I still don't know what the pill was. So then um, I believe I finished my food and probably had more margarita. I might have stopped. Um, and then um, we walked back up the hill to her apartment. I spent the night and then I drove home the next day. And that is the one and only time I've ever used a drug that I wasn't supposed to, that wasn't... No, I did take somebody else's Vicodin once, um, kind of recreationally. It did not have the same effect. You've taken um, Vicodin on an airplane once or twice, I think. Yeah, and then like, you know, no, not on an airplane. Because Vicodin makes me sick unless I'm actually sick. Um, I, I don't like it. Oh. But that's that's kind of the only real time that I've done that. I've never, other than that, now I take CBD oil, but I've never done anything else. And that's my big And you drug. take CBD oil for, for medical reasons. For medical reasons, so for seizures. Like yeah, it's not uh, recreational yeah. use. And now that I have seizures, if I had any interest in stimulants, I'd be, I can't have them. They would give me a seizure instantly. Right. And I imagine even, like... Opioids would probably cause a lot of problems too. So now I can't. Let's not find out. Yeah, let's no. not. Okay. I've gone this far. <laughs> anyway, that's my dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent story.
You do realize that alcohol is a drug, right? I am aware. I said a legal drug, Ian. Yeah, Ju- Ian. Judgy McJudgerson. Right. Is this going to be shocking? Are I you don't know. Marina learns well, you, you probably will learn something. And if my children are listening, they're really going to learn something. <laughs> but um, I know this is the first time that I did drugs. So I'm just going to narrow to the field and say this is the first time that I did cocaine. Not to say that I ever did it again, but I certainly (laughs) never did it before. And it will become obvious to you that I hadn't. Um, (laughs) I was was, uh, at a theater conservatory, and um, it was somewhat prestigious that uh, I had gotten into this theater conservatory. And you would think that I would have given it a little more gravitas, a little more um, uh, focus. <laughs> but at this time, what I, I was in my life, it was, uh, gosh, I was probably 19 or 20, that I was looking more f- to assimilate, to, to you know, be part of the crowd. So um, I was at this school and loved it, and we had some uh, really wonderful teachers, really, really wonderful. Some went on to have wonderful careers. <laughs> as teachers? As te- well, as actors, okay. as, and, as performers. And, uh, Where, what part of the country? In uh, Santa Maria, California. Okay. So my roommate at the time, uh, her name was Joy, and Joy was very pretty. And everybody liked Joy. Everyone. And her name was Joy. And her name was oh, Joy. Yeah, yeah. And the joke was always, and everyone jumped for Joy. Ah. And I was Peggy, and nobody <laughs> jumped for Peggy. But that's a story for another time. Thank you. So we were in class, and uh, Joy, after class, says, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, our teacher is getting a package. And I said, oh, that's wonderful for him. (laughs) What? She's like, no, he's going to come over to our house because he's getting a package. Like, okay, oh, yay, that'll be great that our teacher's coming over to my house with a package. So we have to get home. Okay, trying to assimilate. Yay, meet her on her level of excitement. So we go. Can I, can I ask a question? Was the teacher considerably older than you guys? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes, and male. And, <laughs> and he was getting a package. Sure. So we get back to the apartment, and she is straightening up, and she's clearing off the coffee table, and she goes and gets a mirror out of her room, <laughs> and she's putting it on the coffee table, and I'm like, okay. I don't quite understand the ritual that's happening in front of me, but it, it's with a lot of energy, and she's really, really excited, <laughs> is all I know. And then there's a knock at the door. She's like, oh, he's here. He must have gotten the package. Joy is very joyous. Joy is very out of joyous. And I'm like, okay. So I open the door, and my teacher, whose name <laughs> rhymes with... Clowers Bluth. Oh, Clowers Bluth. I've heard of him. 
walks in. Indiana's face. I know. My jaw dropped. <laughs> walks in. No. With yeah. And okay. he's he walks in with his saunter, and he's got this grin on his face, and he's got a Manila envelope. His the package has arrived. It's a big Manila envelope, big padded Manila envelope, and I'm still like. I, I don't get it, but everyone's happy, so I'm just happy. So Joy's like, is that the package? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and so he cuts open the package and pours out onto the coffee table what would be the equivalent of, if you will, like, I guess like a rugby ball what? pile of cocaine. That's a lot of cocaine. Oh, honey. But I don't know that. I've never seen cocaine before. And so this mountain of coke is now sitting on our table. And I think Joy is going to explode. Like, oh, oh, look at the, that. And I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> And so they proceed to cut it up and do these massive lines of, like, here. And I'm like, I'm going, no, go ahead, please, because I need to watch them because I don't know. You know, it's the, I don't even know what dollar bill they used, if it was a 20 or, I don't know. But it was just, like, fascinating. Had you done any kind of drugs prior to this? What? (laughs) (laughs) No, not to this, not at this level. Okay. So I'm just watching this Hoover vacuum cleaner fest <laughs> happening in front of me. And then it's like, here you go. And okay. And so I'm just doing massive Because <laughs> that's what you do. Because that's what they did, right? So you're not just like. <laughs> and all I remember was. What is that taste and that sensation? And it, and then it was like I wanted to sneeze, but I knew you didn't sneeze, and it was just like just. I'm shaking my head. Don't, no, don't sneeze. Do not sneeze. No, and so I, at least I, I know that protocol, right? So I know that protocol. So now it's like trying to get, get it in there and and keep it in there, and then watching them, you know, then doing the gum thing, and I'm like. Okay. And they're like, right? Right? Is this great or what? Right? And I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, okay. And I I know it affected me. I know it did, but I wasn't like like out of my mind, like, oh my god, this is this is it. This is this is my drug. This is it. This is my life's calling. It was more like what what my throat feels weird <laughs> um there's a lot of dance to this there's like the rubbing of the gums and then there's the snorting and then there's the n- nasal <laughs> and i was like okay i don't again i just want to assimilate so i'm trying to watch what they're doing so i can do it so that it doesn't look like this is my first time and then so I don't know how much was happening, but it just like kept going. But then I, then I overstepped my bounds because I think I like did way too much because then it was like, and we're done. And we're done. And we're packing up this, this kit. We're done. Okay. All right. You offended Flower's I, Tooth. <laughs> Flower's Tooth. I think I did too much of his rugby size amount of cocaine. And it was, and it was truly like done. And we're done. 
all right then, we're done, everyone. I'm gonna take my package and I'm gonna go. Was your roommate uh, pissed? Uh, well, she was like so high at this point and so happy that she had free coke. Right? She's like, what? So, but I remember because again, people pleaser. I like to make people happy. <laughs> that about two weeks later, that we were opening a show. And and it was and we both were like, oh, we should get him something for opening night. <laughs> now you have to understand, I was living on a very limited income, like really budgeted to the last penny. And I said, you know, that cocaine made him awfully happy. What we could do is, is we could pull, like we could really, you know, pull some money together, and maybe if we could get him some cocaine, he'd be really happy. <laughs> And she's like, oh, that's a wonderful idea. So I think I was able to pull together like $25, $30, and that was a lot. And she maybe the same amount. And so she's like, I, I know where to, I know what to do. So give her the money. She leaves. God. She comes back with this little teeny tiny micro vial. <laughs> and she goes, I got the Coke. And she holds this thing up. And simultaneously, two things happened in my head. One was severe disappointment that that's all oh, my got. grocery money bought for this man that I wanted to impress and make happy because I liked you. him. And the other time, <laughs> Zauer's galuth, right. um, that the other thing was like, oh my God, how much Coke was on our table? <laughs> I I like was, year's rent. I was not duly impressed. I just thought that was de rigueur. Like that was maybe a hundred dollars worth of coke. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was truly the size of my head, with a hat on. <laughs> so that, and I also, after I thought those two things simultaneously, the next thought was, this is too rich a drug for me. I. I cannot be involved in this because I can't afford it. Literally can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, I remember being young and having that thought. And then my next thought was, well, if I sell it. Oh, yeah. see, had I known, yeah. I would have sent them out of the room and kept some of that large amount and <laughs> held it back. But truly, and cut it with baby powder and sell a lot of it. Okay, here's it. <laughs> Not that I know anything about it. No, that. no. It truly, but to this day, when I think about Coke or in like the couple years after that, when someone would be like, oh, you want to do Coke? And I would just be like, I've seen more Coke in that one <laughs> moment than I have ever seen accumulative in Coke the rest of my life. <laughs> And I said baby powder, it's baby accident. Yes. I'm sorry. Do you want to hear an addendum real quick? <laughs> yes. Okay, cut to, smash cut to about two years later, I was at another acting school, a grad school, and the night prior to a very, very, very big final, which was you're in front of the whole school doing your scene, the entire school, the entire company, everyone, my roommate was like, I got some Coke. And I was like, oh, all right. Uh, again, and it was minuscule, so like that's fine, <laughs> you know, whatever. So we did this minuscule amount of coke. The next day, as we're standing in the wings, ready for us to go on, the baby laxative hit both of us simultaneously, <laughs> and it was like, and the next scene will be, and we were shaking them off like, mm -mm. and 
he ran one way and I ran the other mm-hmm. to the bathroom yeah. and was in there for, <laughs> I don't know, probably an a very long time. <laughs> and that and that was the last time it was like, and scene. Okay. <laughs> so that was it. So that was like my first and an adjunct. Did wow. <laughs> I like that story very much. Um, did you give Gowersmuth the tiny uh, vial? Yeah, and he tried to be duly impressed, like, oh. That is. It's like, okay, it's like if somebody made you a gorgeous wedding cake and then you gave them a hostess cupcake (laughs) and they tried to be as, like, oh, that's so so nice. It's, it's, that's great. Yeah. You know, I can find this amount in my carpet. (laughs) I think with stories like that, like, you wonder how... You know, Nowers Druth would tell that story from his point of view. I don't, you know, I don't. Like like the girl that bogarted his Scarface size pile of (laughs) Or like, and didn't offer, like, neither one of you slept with him. No. I feel like that's entirely what he was. That's what he wanted. And possibly so, but then, you know, maybe. But what all I can think of is is that Joy was being um, appropriate in her consumption, and I was being incredibly. Inappropriate, and then he was just like, "I've got to get out of here." She's gonna literally. <laughs> she doesn't seem that impressed. She's not, and she can just snort she, it down. I wonder. She's if it not was sleeping even his. with me, and she's now snorted up <laughs> like yeah. a lot of my coke, and there's no payoff. <laughs> so it's like truly, but it was like I'm, oh, and we're done. All right, I'm just gonna pack up my goodbye. Stuff. Goodbye. I have date. more women to visit. Than this <laughs> oh. Maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that, we, yeah. So, you know, from that point on, though, it never really was an issue. <laughs> it was like, it's kind of a miracle that you got, I mean. You didn't die. Yeah, I mean. It is. But nobody, again, You, I just wanted to assimilate and just was way out of my league. Well, you were fitting in so well. <laughs> Too well. And maybe. Blower's new took, took the note, like, really fast. Yeah, I can I, I can imagine just down the line going. She just didn't stop. She was crazy. What has happened? Let's hey, give it back. All right, I think it's time to move to Ian. Oh, it's me. Okay. Yep. Okay, so I didn't really organize my thoughts too much on this, but okay. harken back to I think this is 1992. 15 going on 16, a very square, square individual with a conflicting type A personality, with a very dreamy, sort of imaginative type person that escaped said type A personality through books and imagination, but was uh, sort of unhappy in life. And uh, as I entered my sophomore year in high school, I sort of discovered that the world knew things that I didn't know, that there were individuals out there who had sort of a keen sense of a greater, a greater happening in the world, um, and they weren't as square as I was. So, through the help of a friend of mine who was my best friend for a few years in in middle school, I made a trip to the Bahamas for three weeks <laughs> for my 16th birthday, where I deliberately sort of made the intentional choice to escape my Type A personality and, ah. and sort of explode my egg into the water and, and become you know something more than what I was. Um, which I think is an important point in the first time you do drugs is sort of the choice of why you do it, you know? 
Um, and, it, and it was a very deliberate choice to sort of like expand my consciousness, I guess. And, uh, and it did. So uh, I went to the Bahamas for three weeks. Pretty much as soon as I got off the plane, <laughs> we, uh, we went back to my friend's house. And there were no adults around. It was just a bunch of 16-year-old kids, uh, 16 and 17-year-old kids in a house in the Bahamas on a canal with boats and, and <laughs> access, you know, an old... Uh, Volkswagen thing. Do you remember Volkswagen things? Yes. With the uh, floor rusted through so that you had to reach down and grab the accelerator cable in order to make the car go. It was like a weird, it was a weird reality. And we would go swimming in the, in, in... This is like the way horror movies start. <laughs> it was kind of interesting. And we took, we took boat rides out to deserted islands and stayed the night and, and like escaped nurse sharks that would chase after us as we like climbed under the shore. It was, like a, it was a little bit of like a, a escapist reality thing. But so uh, the first day, and it was it was a deliberate thing. Like, oh, I'm gonna get high as soon as we get there, and we did. <laughs> but we stopped. We on the way on the way to the house, we stopped at a hotel to steal toilet paper because they didn't have toilet paper. <laughs> and this is how they garnered their toilet paper: was they go into a hotel and you would take everything, and then you because it was too expensive to buy, you spent your money on drugs. frozen hamburger patties and seasoning drugs. salt and drugs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And drugs were quite expensive. We would get these little like like twenty five dollar caps of uh, of pot, which were probably about a half gram or something like that. And it was bricked, shitty pot, you know, like it was just gooey and and gummy, and you had to peel it apart and take the seeds out. But um, so we sat around this table and we smoked, and I smoked for the first time, and it was an Orville Redenbacher homemade bong. Yeah. It was all about homemade bongs. There were no bought glass bongs. This was like. You know, metal tubing from from the hardware store stuck in with beeswax into the side of an Orville Redenbacher container. And you didn't really change the bong water that often, so it had that nice old funk to it. Uh, And if you accidentally drank it or something, you you know, you got sick. Uh, So the first, they packed me a bowl. I I took a hit. And we passed around a couple times. I took a couple hits. And I'd never smoked. Oh, no, no, I take it back. I had smoked cigarettes when I was 13 for a short period, but... So I did. I don't think I hacked too much, um, but I didn't get high the first time. Didn't didn't really feel anything, and I was like, "What am I waiting for? I don't I don't get it." Uh, and then so later that night, we smoked a second time, and this time I got high, and it was just like this shattering of 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 like your your tunnel vision, where you just sort of realize that there's this sort of fabric to everything that you've been unaware of it was very mind altering conscious altering something that has stuck with me for the rest of my days and wow. my journeys through various different types of drugs i've done obviously <laughs> lots of different types of drugs over the years uh, but it was a great three weeks man i just like i, I went in and as the terminology in the in the bahamas in those days where you go in freshwater and you come out salt water <laughs> so and and I was so freshwater that I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about when they were talking about saltwater. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't get it. What do you mean? And then I finally I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It just means you've evolved into a different state of mind. So I don't know. That was that was my first experience. I was there for three weeks. I drank. We went to we would go to bars. Um, they didn't card you. You were a tourist. You just walk. You'd walk around barefoot and and just drink. You know, two dollar Budweisers out of, and and it, there was like no law really. I don't think I, I saw like one policeman the entire time I was there. It was sort of a tourist. It was Grand Bahama Island, so it was the biggest island, but it wasn't Nassau. It was like a, you know, secondary sort of area when we're residential. But uh, it was a great experience, and it's 
not anything I would ever take back, you know? Like, you go on your drug career or your drug path in life and you make mistakes. <laughs> and you... Uh, you explore different aspects of life and your personality and you and you do things and I've been addicted to cocaine, I've been addicted to ecstasy and I've done thousands of hits of acid and I've smoked crack on a regular basis for periods of my life and I've abused alcohol, I've done it all and you know, you make mistakes but I will never take back the, the, the trajectory that I put myself on. It, 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 I, I didn't even know what music was until I smoked pot wow. and then on that trip, all of a sudden, music became this visual interface for me. I could I could see the the patterns, the notes, and things like that. Like it became wow, imagination sort of projected over over the world. So it, it would it was an immersive experience, and that you know turned me into a musician basically at that point, or just opened up something in me. I was artistic as a kid, and I was you know I could go into that right brain thing and and do it, but it would it was like I'm saying kind of have like a conflicting reality where the type A personality didn't want anything to do with that, and was like. I, in seventh grade, I had a jacket that said Ian the Great on it with dollar signs. <laughs> I had an ego. And I would walk around like I wanted to be president. You know, like that that disgusting monster of a person. I, I had that and, and I worked very hard to chip away at it over the years and bury it. and and. Uh, yeah, you used to be Alex P. Keatony. I was very like, yeah, like Republican type mentality. I have really? Completely. Wow. And it was and it was like I didn't want to be that. I did not want to be that person anymore. I was like, I know I need to do something drastic. There are tools at hand I can utilize to be more socially acceptable, be somebody that I want to be, you know, be not somebody you despise where you despise the, the yourself. The tools you're talking about drugs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My favorite part about this was um that like what did you tell because I don't know the answer to this, but you had to have told mom and dad that I did drugs. No, no. that like there was going to be full on parental supervision. Like they couldn't. There's no oh, how way. How did you go on a trip like that? Without? I think his dad was kind of supposed to be there or something, but yeah. I never met his dad the entire time. His dad <laughs> lived with his like his new, his stepmom at a new house somewhere. Yeah. Maybe even on the same island. Maybe not. I don't know. It was it was. Because we had like you know our parents came home every night. Two parents, you know, siblings. Like we were, that we didn't have that kind of existence at home. It would be, it's a complete different thing. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you quickly tell your story with that thing that made you shoot up out of your body? What's that weird drug? Oh, salvia. (laughs) You described it to me once, or someone else. Okay, so I guess I would say the culmination of the drug journey, uh, the exploration for for, for, for for spirituality, higher power, knowing that when you die, you don't disappear, all that kind of wonderful stuff, which is sort of exposed to you to some degree, I feel, or for me, maybe because I looked for it, you know, when you do drugs, you start to get a sense that like, there, there's the physical reality, which you were bound by, but there's sort of like the mental choice and, 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 and free thought you can you can sort of shape your own world as you as you choose you can participate in things one way to to, i mean i'm not like one of those people that thinks there's demons hovering over you (laughs) those people scare the shit out of me but i do think that there's like you know when you when you listen to like quantum physics theory when they talk about the world is made of thought and and it's electrons you know formed into i I won't go down that wormhole but it makes sense (laughs) to me i'll just say that kind of stuff makes sense to me but uh you know when you do a lot of acid you start to 
see patterns and walls and a lot of it's hallucinatory, but you also see patterns in thought and patterns in behavior of, of people and, and the way the world works. And you sort of see a little bit behind the veil, I guess you would say. And then, but it's always, it's a fleeting thing and you're left sort of robbed at the end of it with a sense of like, I almost had my finger on it, but it just was so elusive. Um, and years after I'd stopped doing mushrooms and acid and all that, I, I made a decision with a friend of mine. We did uh, salvia divinorium, which is a legal sage you can buy at a tobacco store and is the most powerful psychoactive drug I've ever done in my life. We bought the medium strength because there was low, <laughs> medium, and, and strong. Is that like ordering spicy in the Thai place and not quite knowing what you're going to get? Yeah. yeah. And we went in. Uh, it was this place in North Hollywood, right where the, like, Vineland and Magnolia, where that Ralph's and stuff are. <laughs> and uh, we asked the guy. There was a guy in front of us who was picking his cigarettes or whatever. And, you know, the guy asked us what we wanted. And we, you know, we're like, oh, can we get salad? I see you have it. And, and, and he gives us sort of this, like, knowing grin. And we're like, oh, great. This is going to be fun. And, uh, and the guy in front of us in line turns around and he's this kind of douchebaggy, like, uh, sorry, I hate that term, but he's like a, a sports fan. <laughs> and he turns around <laughs> and, he, and he's like, it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. And, and you can just tell, like, you are the, the exact opposite of my personality type, that you're like not somebody who necessarily... He's like one of those guys that would wear his sunglasses on his head backwards upside down like when he's like not wearing his sunglasses he puts them on his That kind of guy, yeah. Guy. Probably had a Raiders jersey on or something yeah, like douche. that. <laughs> uh, and the guy behind the counter it, it looks at us and he's like, well, it depends what you're looking for, you know? And, and in my mind, I'm like, that guy doesn't even know what he's looking for so he's going to smoke this and not have any reward. And, and I know what I'm looking for. <clears throat> so we got it. We took the medium strength. We went home. And we, we packed it in a bong and we both sort of simul we took I took a hit, I think, and then passed it to my buddy and he took a hit. And it took about 15, 20 seconds to sort of kick in. Like it comes on really fast. Wow. And uh, the sensation was that that it's almost like a like a nuclear explosion where it goes does that shrink down thing and then a blow up thing and then a shrink down thing and a blow up thing, and it's like your consciousness rebounds a little bit and you're you're sitting right here and you can see everything you, you can see but you I, I started to have this laugh and this laugh comes out of me and it's like I had sucked down a, uh, a helium balloon it was this really high pitched like chipmunk laugh and it was a single note it wasn't a chuckle it wasn't it was just like a sound it was really weird but it was uncontrollable it started to come out of me and as it came out of me I shit you not this like superimposed visualization of like a fire hose stream of energy shooting out of my mouth was going across the room and I was like this is really weird but kind of trippy and then as that happened I sort of like went with it out, out of my mouth and and sort of took this like astral projecting trip bounced across the universe and back and sort of had this, this psychoactive glimpse of where I it was just like you saw and it was, it's sort of simultaneous, but it's like, almost like there was a crossfader. Like somebody sort of crossfaded out the couch in the room and all of a sudden I'm floating amongst the stars and traveling through a wormhole or whatever. But you sort of have this like intimacy where, where your consciousness is expanded and you sort of lose your personal identity and you are, you're, I can't describe it except you're, you're one and everybody at the same time. You're, you're yourself, but you're also everybody else. And that goes to 
to other planets, to other whatever. I don't know. But it was like this weird, this weird realization that it was like everything we're doing is sort of a play and that we're all actors on the on the stage in the play. And this was like sitting in the audience and looking at yourself on the stage and realizing that like, oh, I'm directing myself on stage. And and it was it was it was a very it was a it was a lasting moment where I was sort of like here's 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 the look at what I needed to see to realize that if, if and when I die, which is probably more of a win than an if, but <laughs> that probably uh, well, probably we don't know that there's some there's something else out there that there's more to it and it was very and it was and it lasted and that that I can still see it in my brain it's that impression still lasted and it's like an assurance to me that that uh was like a spiritual experience but it's not like a god thing it's not a religious thing i think that's like a rancid word you know it's but it this is just more like a what's a, a math word? thing god? yeah i just it, i never liked god religion i was raised catholic i hated it it makes me sick <laughs> rancid is quite a term rancid. i know wow. wow this is more of like a mathematical thought imagination wonderful wonderfulness but it's it and then and then as that came to a close and we both had sort of this shared experience where we were like, like I said, uh, you, you are yourself and you're somebody else. We both sensed that at the same time. It was like this unspoken thing. It was really cool. Uh, but then we both had the same sort of instruction. Do not do this ever again. Like, <laughs> like this feeling of like you peaked. And that's all you get. You should never, ever, ever look back here. Go back to your life. Do your thing. Just knowing that it's there is enough. Wow. Go back to your, you know, like wow. whatever you're supposed to do, do it, you know. And we did do it one more time. We, we And we knew we shouldn't. And we both had the same projection experience, but it was a dark, dark thing. It was very much like there's madness and craziness out there and you shouldn't be a part of it. You should go back to your little playground and do your thing until you die. <laughs> oh. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I'm not doing that drug. <laughs> you should you should tell the dare people to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Great story. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I dropped acid, it was not voluntary. I did not make the choice. <gasps> John Holmes slipped me acid in an El Torito restaurant on a guacamole dip. <laughs> yes, John Holmes, the porn actor with the, you know, yeah. magnificent penis, slipped me acid. But wait, you ask yourselves, <laughs> what is such a nice girl doing with John Holmes? In an El Torito. Well, eating guacamole. Well, let's start with John Holmes. Uh, so... This is the late 70s. I came to L.A. to be an actress. And, of course, you have to work, so I signed up with a temp agency. And they were very excited because I told them I wanted to be in film. And they said, well, we have a job for you at a film company, a film production company. I was thrilled. I called my mother. I'm going to work for Freeway Films. <laughs> they, they make films. Well, I don't know porn. I don't know anything about it. And when I get to the office, there's no evidence of porn. I'm just sitting in a room typing, and I'm a very good typer. I'm a very good office worker. <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> typing address labels just all day long. I had to sit on two phone booths and type, 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 type. And they thought I was fantastic. And I kept typing, and it was fine. And I didn't know, I still, for weeks, didn't know what they did there. And then there was a creep in the back who would come in every, I call him the creep. <laughs> 
if you saw him, you would call him the creep. <laughs> he would check in every now and then or bring in orders for me to, not to fill, but to type the address. Just type address labels constantly. Like? He had curly hair and really pale and just <laughs> a hideous face. <laughs> I'm making it now, but no one can see it. <laughs> So one day, Creep was sick, and so the boss, who was a woman, Suzanne, uh, she said, would you please do quality control in the video room? Just got to look at the tapes. If there's any VHS with a glitch in it, just toss it to the side. So I go, I'm happy to because I am an excellent office worker, and I want to do, and I please to, but I, I just like to work. I would work very, very hard. So I went in the back and put in a VHS, and it's Johnny Wad. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea... That I was working in a porn house. Johnny <laughs> until Watt. that moment. Yeah, until that moment. And so, but but I thought, no, the pay was pretty good. It was it was a nice job. Nobody cared. Nobody talked to me. They were sort of standoffish with me because I wasn't, I wasn't a porn person. You know, you could just tell I was just a person who, I was an excellent typist. <laughs> but I decided to just get get that over with, and and I put it in the glitch pile or the good pile or that looks pretty good. And then I, this is the weirdest part about Deanna. It's like. I don't like that story. <laughs> if, if I, when I get into screen, because I became a screenwriter, I would not write it that way. That's just written very badly. And it's just so over the top. Anyway, I just ignore it. and do, So they were happy with me. But to make a long story about that short, I stayed on and on and on. Then I answered phones. And then I became assistant to the president. Now, during this time, John Holmes would come in. And he had a briefcase. He always carried a briefcase. And he seemed to me kind of a, a kind of a lost soul, like a like a. He seemed bright. He did, it didn't fit somehow this the the picture on the screen. He just seemed kind of interesting and kind of neat. And he would come in with his briefcase and he'd pass out coke. We had cocaine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they would pass out money. And I said, "This is the best job I've ever had in my life." They're passing out cocaine and money. And uh, he'd open his briefcase, pass out Coke. And then sometimes he didn't have Coke. He'd say, hey, Deanna, I know you're good at stuff. Go down to the Howard Johnson's and score me some Coke. <laughs> this is a, we worked at like Hollywood and Ivar. So I'd go down to the Howard Johnson's and he told me a certain way to deal with the bartender. And then he'd I'd go in the bathroom and you score the Coke. And I would do that. And I, I would get money. You know, here, oh, great, good job, cash. All right. And, and then he, as he would leave, he'd say, show me your tits. And I said, no, never. <laughs> And he goes, well, I have respect for you. And I go, good for you. I will never be involved in this business, but I do enjoy this cocaine, and could I have 20 bucks? Because, you know. So this went on and on, and I actually did get involved. I would help them type scripts, and I would give script notes. <laughs> and the dialogue was always terrible. You know, it was just like, oh, oh. And I would try to put story into it, and, and we wrote this whole magnificent thing on an airplane. It was before Snakes on a Plane, but it would be like that. Ooh, <laughs> oh, you know okay. what I mean. <laughs> and so that was fun. And then I would go to trade shows in Las Vegas with this company. I mean, I got totally involved because I loved the Coke, and my desk was perfectly clean. <laughs> Everything was clean. And I could type even faster. And the boss, Suzanne, she loved me. I'd help her write songs. I, you know, just got involved in the production beyond I should have left but anyway <laughs> in these trade shows you would get a, a, a hotel room like at the frontier uh -huh. but we would do coke and no one can see how long this table is but i'm saying it's 10 feet we would race to the center of the table lines of coke and whoever got there first got to do the next line it was just 
a nightmare. So anyway, <laughs> life went on, and I spent many nights up all night uh, drinking milk to try to come down. Uh, we were celebrating something. We went to the El Torito restaurant, and I went in the bathroom to do some Coke mm-hmm. and came back. He gave me the guacamole chip, and I said, oh, this is really good. I hadn't really had guacamole too many times in my life, really. <laughs> and uh, then Suzanne said, uh, we're, we, are gonna, we just did acid, her and John. And I said, well, then I'm going to go. And she goes, no, he put it on your guacamole. Isn't that funny? And I was like, I froze. I was like, no, 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 no. Because I, I know what acid is. I don't want to be on acid with these people. And I was actually <laughs> terrified. And what happens with me when I'm on acid is, well, I used to be an intimidating kind of person. I'm really nice now. <laughs> but people could just, I could give a look and they'd stay back. And I just went into that mode like I got to save myself. So then I, we all left and somehow... They said, we're going to a club. And I said, okay, I'll go to the club, but then I'm going to go home. But then, you know, it starts, the acid starts kicking in. And the next thing I remember is I was at the rave, which is, was a gay club. Mm-hmm. And I did all of Wizard of Oz for them. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a good witch or a bad witch? You know, it's going on and on. Oh, Auntie M, Auntie M. I just did the whole, somehow I did the whole movie. And then I remember being in a car and holding on for dear life, you know, I don't know what, what's going to happen next. Because I was an acid, and again, hallucinations, everything, spinning, patterns. I was terrified because I do not want to be in porn, and I do not want to have sex with John Holmes ever. <laughs> that terrified me. And Suzanne, their intent was a three-way. It was just really scary. So we ended up in this house somewhere in Encino. This is very Boogie Nights. Oh, when I saw that movie. Encino, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, I was, when I saw Boogie Nights, I said, whoa, somebody was there. <laughs> <laughs> but... So I remember grabbing the phone saying I had to make phone calls. And then he ripped the cord out of the wall. Oh, jeez. But I held onto the phone and then I made phone calls anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and they were on acid too, so they were like, oh, she's on the phone. <laughs> and I kept making phone calls and I had a pad of paper and I kept writing and writing and writing just to save myself and writing and making phone calls. And I, I remember, you know, vaguely calling just people, friends, anyone I could think of. <laughs> Just get me out of here, you know, that kind of thing. And then hanging up and pretending to call again because it wasn't even hooked in. And I wrote this whole pad. I wrote moon, poems, sunrise. And I just kept writing to save myself. And I kept saying, save yourself, save yourself, save yourself. And I did. Yay. Wow. I, the night passed. Uh, they were in the bedroom the whole time. And I said, you know, this, is, this was beyond the pale. And then a few weeks later, I was still working. Because I think I like the cocaine, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, John Holmes came in with a, the, his briefcase, as he always did. You know, give me, uh, give me, I'll give you a hundred bucks, show me your tits. No. And I, that's more furious now. And then inside this briefcase were uh, silver nunchucks, weird, like, weapons. And he was all agitated. And he said, I, 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 gotta, I can't take it. You know, I, I got to do something. I got to do something. Go get me coke. No. Because, I, you know, I had had it. And um, that night was Wonderland. Whoa. The Wonderland Murders in Law Canyon. Wow. Oh, my God. And Su- Suzanne, the next day, said something terrible happened. I didn't know exactly what was going on. And I said, I am not coming back. You will never see me again. And I walked out the door. Wow. Wow. That's insane. Thank you and good day. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the best stories I've ever heard oh, in my I whole life. I think that story wins all it's stories. True. It's true. That is oh. crazy. Yeah, but I should have gone. But, you know, you, yeah, I was young. I thought Coke was cool. 
And I like the way oh, sure. I like the way it felt. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, that's but I just it was presented. Well, it, I, I got more done. It was fun. Everything was very clean, and I like clean, things clean. And I just stayed there. And plus, I felt they needed me, and I was good at it. And nobody bothered me. And cash and yeah. John Holmes, I thought, oh, I can handle him. But I never thought that he would slip me acid. Never. Because I think that's that's, uh, that's also a crime. Yeah, yeah, it's yes. a crime. It is a betrayal. But it's... I did not have sex. They did not get me. I, sw- I know that because I'm still alive. <laughs> and he is unfortunately not. So, yeah, that was really scary. It's crazy, like all those documentaries you see about like the '60s and like how the Grateful Dead would like dose people, and it's like, why do you think that that's okay? Especially. It's... Because everything I've ever heard from people who've done acid is like, you have to be in the right state of mind for it to right. go well. Yeah. So if you know that, why would you do that to someone who doesn't know what's coming and it could feasibly terrify the crap out of you? Right. damage somebody permanently. Fortunately, yeah. they did say that he slipped it to me, so I went, I was ready. Right? Yeah. Terror, terror, terror. You know, I just went into like a lockdown mode. Right. Nobody's going to touch me. Nobody's going to get to me. Although, everybody, come out, come out, wherever you <laughs> So there was kind of fun and up and down, but just the bulk of the night was holding on to that. And it was a rotary phone, one of those old, mm-hmm. you know, those old ones. Yeah. Just calling. Terrified the entire Horrible. time. Horrible. That's crazy. Ugh. I survived. Good day. Good day. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, All right, we're to top that. Okay, well, I can. <laughs> I don't think I can top that story. My God. And I, I, um, I, so the, the first time I ever did anything was I smoked a banana peel because I, <laughs> um, I was a hippie kid and I was surrounded by drugs all the time. And I, I, but I'd heard, like, I thought, so like a bunch of kids snuck out behind the house and like tried to smoke a banana peel and I don't even know why we thought that was a thing. I think like it might have been a thing, but I don't I don't really know. And I think if it was a thing, you probably had to dry the banana peel. Like don't try to smoke a fresh banana peel because you can't light it. It was a disaster. So that that was the first time I ever really attempted to do a drug. Um, and I've done a lot of drugs, and I've had good experiences and bad experiences, but I was going to tell a story about um, a bad experience, which, what you just said about, like, um, you know, when you, when you uh, with some drugs, the mood, in, the mood that you are in when the drug hits is exaggerated or amplified. Right. And so, it, you know, oftentimes it's very important that you are in a safe space and, uh, you know, a positive place to do drugs. Um, Whatever the drug might be, I too did a lot of coke. I love, I did love mm-hmm. my cocaine. Um, but uh, this is an ecstasy story, mm-hmm. and I had done ecstasy many times before, and it had always been an amazing experience. It's like you know, professing your love for everyone and <laughs> dancing had never been so wonderful. And you know, like it, to me, it was just it was nirvana in pill form, and I I, I could never imagine that it could be a bad experience um, until this fateful night. Um, I, okay, so, um, and I had done, I was very experienced in, in many different drugs. Um, and and you know how, when you're young and you've done a lot of drugs, you have this crazy confidence that you know exactly how everything is going to go. And no one can ever tell you anything about drugs. Like you just, uh, you, you know everything. And, and so you, you, like we were, we knew that if we took a drug, if we wanted to be high at eight p.m., we knew exactly when we needed to take the pill for it to get. Like absurd, yeah. like you could never possibly know this stuff, but we thought we did. <laughs> so um, I was living in Ojai at the time, and um, I was 
probably, I, I want to say I was 16, maybe 17, but I think I was 16. And um, it was a dark and stormy night, and um, it was raining really hard, and we were supposed to go to um, a friend's house who lived in Upper Ojai. So I don't know if you're familiar with Ojai, but Ojai is a very small town. It's not far from Los Angeles. Um, and um, it's a, it, Ojai is a very small town, but then this Upper Ojai is very remote, and it, it's sort of like... Um, like the Topanga can't Topanga of Ohio, like it's mm-hmm. you know you just sort of drive up the thirty three. It's very dark, twisty, windy, one two lane highway, one lane in either direction. And up there, there's like nothing. There's a firehouse in case of emergencies, but there's no mm-hmm. open businesses. There's you know at night there's people's houses, but they're very spread out. It's not a very dense. Maybe different now, but at the time it wasn't a very populated area. But but a friend of mine lived up there. So and her mother was a nurse who worked graveyards. So. It was always a party house because we could just go <clears throat> um, party in, in the household. And by the time, as long as, you, as long as you were out by dawn and then <laughs> cleaned up, then the mother was mother was none the wiser. I'm sure she must have known stuff, yeah. but whatever. That was again how we fooled ourselves. And um, so the plan was: it took about 20 minutes to get from Ojai to. Upper Ojai to my friend's house, and the per- we had one person who had a car that night. It was a Volkswagen Bug, and there were seven people. <laughs> so we decided, well, we're going to take it at the bottom of the hill, so that by the time we get there, we're going to be, um, it'll co- it'll come on. T- we'll be we'll be on. It'll it'll kick in. So uh, seven people will put ecstasy in their mouths and climb into a Volkswagen Bug, and um, start to drive up a hill, and and. Um, that's a lot of people in a small car. Um, I think it was four in the back and three in the front. And, um, so you're crammed in, but it's a short ride and you're excited. It's going to be a fun night and you just can't wait to get there. And then, um, we got there and it's, and it's raining really hard and it really is like, like that when the rain comes down that hard, it's so pretty. It's just like. That that's indescribable. I mean, if you're out in it, it's horrible. But if if you're just listening to it and, yeah. and watching it, it's just gorgeous. And and up in Upper Ojai, it's just such so beautiful up there. It's so green and lush, and and um, even in the dark, you can tell it's just orchards and just beautiful. And then we got there and we like pulled onto the road where my friend lived, and um, she comes running out to the car and she's like, "My mom is sick. <gasps> you can't come in." And, um, and, and as she's saying that, as those words are like coming out of her mouth, I feel the ecstasy hit. And as she's saying it, like in that moment where I'm like, oh, we're fucked. Like that was my first, my, my last conscious sober thought was we're fucked. And then the ecstasy hit. So we're fucked became exaggerated and amplified in the biggest way possible. We were fucked like Vietnam fucked. We were (laughs) fucked. And there's seven of us in a Volkswagen bucket that's fucking pouring rain. And now the rain is not so pretty anymore. And now we're like, and we can't, nobody can drive now. And everybody's like, it was almost like a cartoon. Like, oh, I'm high. Are you still high? Are you high yet? Can you drive? Oh, no. Hi, we're all high. And it's steamy and we're uncomfortable. (laughs) And and we're like, now, you know, it's like we thought we were going to be in the car for like 15, 20 minutes. And now we can't. Now, there's nowhere to go. Like we're like, well, we have to come in the house. We have to let us in the house. And our, my girlfriend's like, well, I can't let you in the house. 
everybody's freaking out and people are screaming. It was like total. And we're in a little tiny car. And she's outside. And she's getting. And she's like, I gotta get outside. I'm freezing. Like she couldn't get in the car. There wasn't room for her to get in the car. And uh, so she went in the house. And we were out there. We're and and so now we're just, and we're totally wasted and we're trying to think. Okay. Um, Let's let's uh, let's sing. Let's sing. Like maybe we could sing, and it'll be distracting. And so like somebody would start a song, and then I hate that song. Stop singing that song, and you can't sing. And like my experience with ecstasy had always been like, oh my god, you're so beautiful. You're like the most beautiful singer I've ever heard. Like your voice is like the voice of angels. But on this night when it was like, you're the devil. You're the devil is singing. Stop singing. And we were fighting, and it was horrible. We were in this tiny little bubble of a car. And like somebody in the front seat was like basically sitting on the emergency brake and it was so uncomfortable and it was horrible. So finally we were like, we have to get out of the car. We have to go into the house. (laughs) So, and it's really pouring. So now we're like, we'll be quiet. We'll be quiet. And I don't even know how we got my friend to come back out of the house. I think she, I think she might've been coming back and forth. Like, I think at some point she like brought us food or something. And then like somebody would have to get out and pee and like just pee in the, in the street and then get back in the car and then they'd be wet. It was all steamy. And then it was like, I remember like my girlfriend writing like help in the steam on the window. It was horrible. So we're like, we got to get out of this car. We got to get out of this car. We're going to die. We're going to die in this car. So we get out of the car. Now we're just standing in the rain. Like we're standing there like, this is better than being in the car. So we're running around. Now we're soaking wet. And finally, I don't know how we did it, but we were like, oh, we're going in the house. So we, uh, now it's like three o'clock in the morning. And um, we've been out there for like three hours, like hours. And we're just, and, and ecstasy has a lot of speed in it. So, um, you know, you're, you, you have all this, you know, um, light sort of when it's a good high, very ethereal, very like, um, angelic kind of feeling of like floaty but it's also has this undertone of speed and your jaws clenched and you're you know it's just really hardcore you could feel all of that speed in like every cell of your body so it's this weird dichotomy of like I feel like I'm floating but I'm made of cement I feel like I'm floating but I'm made of cement (laughs) um and uh um so somehow I think like you guys said they were asleep like the, her parents her mother and his her mother's boyfriend were asleep so we're coming in the house so then it was like be quiet be quiet it was, you know it's like seven people on ecstasy soaking wet how quiet can you be so now we're in the living room and all I remember about the next like I remember a lot about it but I remember that her mother kept coming out and screaming like yo what are you kids doing here and, and somebody must have said like we're too wasted to drive and we're all teenagers and and she was like oh my god and then she would disappear and then her grumpy husband had this, her boyfriend had this crazy weird beard would come out and yell at us and we were just like there's no we couldn't leave it was literally like what do you want us to do, adults? Like, we're wasted and we can't leave. There's nothing we can do except sit here in your house. So just let us sit here. Just let us be here. <laughs> but we'll be quiet. <laughs> um, so we're sitting in the living room. And this uh, this had never happened to me before. I had never hallucinated on ecstasy. And I, 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 uh, I really didn't think I was... I really thought this, was, this next thing was actually happening. There was this huge uh, plant in the corner of the room... One of those house plants, the kind of plant you can't kill, <laughs> um, hanging in like a macrame, you know, thing. And it's one of those like that, the most, um, av- you know, um, um, typical average house plant. It's that one that you, it'll just grow and grow Spider and grow plant. and grow. Right. You'll grow. It'll yes. just go right. forever yeah. and ever and ever and ever and ever. And it, you, you could go away for a month and come back and then it, you'd be dead. And then you put some water in it and it'd come right back yeah. to life. And it was really big and it, and it cascaded down the wall. 
and um, I was sitting on the ground and, and I was looking at it and it started to grow. <laughs> And it started to grow towards me. Mm-hmm. And it's growing across the floor. And it's growing in like that, um, uh, almost like stop motion. Like it's it's kind of skittering. And it's really like satanic. And it's coming towards me. And there's all these other people in the living room. And nobody's paying any attention to the fact that this plant is going to kill me. And I'm trying to be <laughs> quiet because I don't want to get my friend in trouble. And she's already, her mom's already come out and yelled at us. And I'm sitting on the floor. And I have my back against the couch. And this thing, this plant is growing towards me, and it's growing towards me, and it's growing towards me, and now it's around my ankles, and I'm trying really hard to be quiet, and it's now it's getting my hands, and then I look down at my hands, and my hands are covered in this crazy, like, Sanskrit tattoos, and I realize that on my hands is, like, the code to how to stop the plant from growing, wow. but I have to decode it, and now I'm like, can you help me read this? Can you help me read the code? And my friend's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, I gotta get this plant off me! I gotta get this plant off me! You gotta help me get this plant off me! Read the code! And now I'm screaming and her friend's coming out and I'm like, oh my god, I've totally got you in trouble! But the plant is trying to kill me! Oh. This went on for a while and um, and then uh, I think I think at one point I said, get it out! Like they moved the, removed the plant from the room and then uh, I think I fell into like a fever dream state where I was like just laying on the couch but there's so much speed and you like, now like the sun is starting to come up so we've been high for, you know, like seven or eight hours for the... The ecstasy part starts to wear off, and all you're left with is the is the the residue of the speed, and you're cold, and your body hurts. Um, I mean, ecstasy is like so hardcore on your body, um, and I did a lot of it. I used to do it. I did so much of it, and um, uh, I told I I told you before that we started this. Like, I don't really have an end of the story other than like. I just, it was like dawn and we were all like, okay, can I can drive. So let's just leave and driving down the mountain in like clothes that had been wet and then dry and just like, um, all I could, I just like wanted to get away from it. Like it's just get me out of here and driving down the hill. Uh, I, I think some people stayed behind, but I was like, I had to get out of here. Like I was embarrassed. I was like sober enough to know like, oh, this was horrible the hallucination was over there was just a plant there's nothing on my hands but it was like this weird like I was so humiliated and and plus I was like I thought I was really cool like I was the the most seasoned drug user right. in, the, in the room you know like that the, veteran that, yeah that I had had this nervous breakdown this just like mental breakdown in my friend's house and she was in so much trouble and like we were all grounded like nine times in the course of one night like you're grounded and you're grounded i'm gonna call your mother it was like this crazy thing and driving home and just being like wow that was horrible and then taking ecstasy the next day like let's just do it again (laughs) and it was fine yeah you're a great singer Mindset. Totally oh. so depends on your mindset. And that was my story. My first bad experience of drugs. Oh, did, you, uh, did you used to throw up on ecstasy on a regular basis? No, um, occasionally, but not on a regular basis. I did no. almost every time. Really? I would go at, you know when you start to peak? Uh-huh. And you do, you do, you do the roller coaster yep. up and down, yep. and then I would get to that like rocket ship where uh-huh. you're just so sped out, and then I would have to throw up. And, and it would start to be like sweats and meltdown. And then I would throw up, and then it would be everything's gravy for the rest of the I night. think I did I did a lot of coke, <clears throat> a lot of speed. So I think the speed didn't affect me in that same way, maybe. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing to do would get be get coked up and then read out loud to the room full of people. <laughs> I'm sure that was everyone else. <laughs> I know. <laughs> sit down, everybody sit down. I'm going to read Stephen King. <laughs> I was clean. But I never did ecstasy ever in once in my life. Oh, oh no. my God. And now I would never even, like... 
Ugh. It, it like the creates the holes in your brain and. Well, the, I can't even imagine the quality of it these days would be so horrible. It's different, right? It's yeah. damaging too. Though I, I had, yeah. I'd done a lot like yourself for like a year. My friends and I just did it every day, basically. Yeah. You know, and we got to the point where you're taking two or three or four yeah. at a time, oh. and uh, and you get so depleted the yeah. next day because you used all your serotonin and dopamine yeah. resources. So as high as you flew. You go that far down below normal the next day. And the only thing that can bring you back to normal is more, is more ecstasy. Yeah. And that's the same cycle with any drug. Right. But, uh, but ecstasy, because of that, like I, I had never, have never, and had never experienced that kind of... Sadness and despair. And... Well, no, but the happiness that, that ecstasy brought. Like that, that peaking of like that joy. And I'd never felt so connected to people. Yeah. And so then like chasing that high was so different than chasing a speed high. Like chasing a speed high was kind of a matter of survival. But chasing that high was like, like it felt like that's how life is supposed to be. Um, and that you, if you could achieve. And then, you know, after a while, you, you don't have as much of it and. And then you have to like supplement yeah. with whatever else you're getting. You're smoking marijuana and cigarettes and alcohol, and you're just trying to be. High. I was so high. I mean, I was high. I was high every day from the time I was 15 till I was 20. Like I just was high on something all the time, and I didn't have very many bad experiences. And I had a lot of bad things happen while high, but bad like drug mm-hmm. reactions like that. That's mm-hmm. the worst. The worst. The worst. worst. It was a horrible night, and I didn't. I mean, and I saw like. I mean, I watched a guy on acid once, like, walk in front of a um, 18-wheeler. He said, I'm Jesus. And we said, no, you're not. And he said, yeah, I am. Watch. Gone. He was just oh, gone. Wow. He just, poof, just gone. It was crazy. Like, I saw crazy shit. See, but... those are the stories that leave me sobbing, waiting for Ian to come back from this mushroom. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and that stuff that 100% worked on me. Absolutely. I was like, never going to do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, that guy was just like, he was just, he was there, and then he was gone. But I notice you don't have any house plants in your home. <laughs> no, I do not. I have one, and it's it's oh. barely alive. No, that's the and same. If it, if it were not for my housekeeper, that would be dead. <laughs> it can't come and get you. No. Yeah. Uh, you guys, this was a very very fun episode. <laughs> shameless plug. She yeah, let's shameless the table. Plug. So, um, oh, it's shameless. Uh, Peggy, you want to tell the fine folks? Um, where they can find you and reach you? Yes. Uh, shameless plug is um, uh, I'm on Twitter at Peg Puppets Up, and I will be at the Venetian mm-hmm. in Las Vegas opening July 21st with Puppet Up, an adult improv puppet show produced by the Jim Henson Company. Yeah, and if you haven't seen it, if you haven't see seen it, it, you should see it. And you know who else is in it? Colleen Smith. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not in it. But I've seen it, and it's yeah. awesome. Go see yeah. it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's like the that's my shameless plug. Excellent. That's awesome. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll just plug. Uh, every Thursday night at the Groundlings Theater is the Gas Show. It's a, a fantastic improvised show with celebrity guests. I direct it. I'm lucky enough to get to direct it. And come to that every Thursday at 8. Anytime you come, it's going to be amazing. Yes, that yeah, show's so true. Really, I have done that show. Really I have great. done And Mary Jo has done that, and, and it's, it's awesome. Totally Colleen, you've done that show. Yeah, yes. Awesome. Yep. Peggy, have you done it yet? I have not. Can I come do it? You've oh, never done the gas show? Oh, here we go. Well, I have to make that happen. Shameless plug. I'm going to be in the gas show at some point. <laughs> <laughs> what date was your puppets show? Uh, in, ju- in July. Ah, that's when I was going to have you. Oh, 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 o
my shameless plug is go to my website. It's ianscreams.com. Um, I started a vlog this month. I'm a month into a vlog, which is like fitness, life transformation, going on a trip to Africa later this summer, like crazy adventures, putting my shit in storage and doing weird. <laughs> this is going to be a weird summer for me. So if you want to follow my adventures, please come to ianscreams.com. Ian screams. Screams. Yeah, it's it's and it's got music stuff and, yeah. and art stuff. And, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm as always can be found at at Colleen Smee C O L L E N S M I on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, but that's Colleen Marie Smee because so there's apparently already a Colleen Smee on Instagram. Um, and then I will be at the Venetian in July doing Pop It Up, and then we have. My first time, we have at Mer- My First Time Pod. Right, at, Mer- at My First Time Pod on Twitter. My oh, First Time first Podcast. First is spelled out. And, yes. And MyFirstTimePodcast.net is yep. our website, which yep. is also spelled out. First is spelled out. Yeah. We receive pictures by Chick, music by Ian, stories by all of us. And you can also reach me on Twitter uh, at Mary jo LA. That's my personal Twitter handle. I am yeah. not on Insta. Um, I, I don't know. I just I don't. I'm not on Insta. I don't think you have to be. <laughs> Thank God. I'm not on Insta. It's, it's okay. Thank you. Um, I have an Insta account. I just don't use it. I think it's already on its way out. Insta? Good. Yeah, I figured. I'll just ride the wave. No, Joe, I'm not on Insta either. I'm not on Twitter either. Excellent. You win. <laughs> I enjoy Twitter. I think Twitter's fun, but I am not I on that Insta. That would be fun. Yeah, Twitter's fun. All right. You would like it. On that note. Goodbye. Thanks for coming. Yay. Yeah, I can